Well, happy Father's Day to all you guys, and uh, we're going to pray for the, the men today. We want to honor you, and uh, we're thankful for you. And, uh, you know, I don't think dads get to hear that enough, do they? We should, every day should be Father's Day. My kids all told me, happy Father's Day, and this morning I went to, um, they wrote me a card, they wrote me a little card, and they didn't know how to spell fathers, apparently, so I got a happy Farter's Day, um, three on three different cards. I guess that's fine. Told them I was happy with it. Um, but uh, this morning, I want to share a word with you about something, I think, very important. Men of God. I want to talk. Now, ladies, you'll get something out of this too, but I want to talk to the men this morning for just a minute because how many of you know our world needs godly examples of how they're supposed to live? Men and women, but especially men. We need some men of God to stand up and show this world how they're supposed to live. This is what it looks like to be a man of God. And I realize my kids learn a lot from me. You know, it's, it's kind of scary sometimes. You, you recognize things that they do, and you think, oh, they, they got it from me. And in fact, whenever my kids do something just a little bit off, a little bit goofy, my wife will turn to me and say, they get that from you. And it's true. I can't deny it. Oh, we didn't dismiss the kids' church yet, did we? Kids' church, you're dismissed. Yeah, you definitely want to go now because um, it's about to get real. We're going to talk about you guys. And, um, but I noticed that whenever my kids do something, look, we have a one-year-old who started to make these really goofy faces and expressions, and my wife will just look at me sometimes and be like, he, he gets it from you. And it's true, he does. I know he does. My kids, one, the other day, <clears throat> we had a situation. Um, I, I had mixed up some, like, pepper spray, mixed up some pepper and some water and stuff to spray the vegetables. It's supposed to keep the squirrels away. It hasn't worked yet, but I've mixed some up, and my wife told the kids to clean the bathroom the other day. And they, they came out of the bathroom, I mean, eyes all red and itchy and nose running, and they got the bathroom clean. And you go in there, it just smells like pepper, Tabasco sauce or something. And, and, um, and my wife, my, I, she didn't say it, but I knew she wanted to. They get it from you. And um, I just, I can't deny it. It's what it is. But we, when you're part of a family, you pick up the traits of your family, don't you? Um, maybe you, you have mannerisms, you have things that you do, and you learned it from your family by being a part of your family. You got it from birth sometimes. When you were, listen, when you were born again, you came into a new family. You were born into a brand new family, and you are supposed to be like your father. You're supposed to imitate your father. You're supposed to learn how to do life by watching your heavenly father. And... Um, I want you to look at this in 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. We've got it in the Passions tran translation, and uh, that's, wow. Yeah, let me, let me just read part of it. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize him. Beloved, we are God's children right now. Say now. You're God's children now. Not one day in the future. You're God's children today. That's who you are. Every one of you, if you're born again, you're God's child. Think about that. How great the Father's love that he made you 
a child. He didn't just make you, he could have made you a second cousin. He could have made you, you know, one of those people you see at the family reunion and you think, how am I related to that guy? That guy's a mess. You're not, you're, you're not like that. You're a child. You're a child of God. I want you to look at this one more scripture, Romans 4, 16. <clears throat> Romans chapter 4, verse 16. He's talking about Abraham. Look at that last part. He says, Abraham is the father of us all by faith. So you got God as your father and Abraham's your descendant. You're at a good family. You have a good family. Amen. Listen, sometimes growing up, maybe your family wasn't perfect. Maybe there was some bad problem. You're part of a new family. So you get to learn how to do life with your family. How many of you know growing up, you had to learn how to be part of your family? You had some things you had to learn, didn't you? Because dad would come in the room and say, you're not, hey, you're not behaving the way you're supposed to behave. Quit doing that. And you got you to gotta get with the program here because you're part of the family. You're part of this family, so you got to learn how to live because our world needs to see you modeling Jesus Christ. They need to see you modeling your heavenly father. Amen? Amen. I, and I, I want our dads to hear this this morning. Because I feel like our dads, I feel like men in general. See, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a, a father, a grandfather, or you've never had children. You, we are, this world needs godly examples of men of God. You know, they need to see how we're supposed to live. And I feel like, I feel like men are under attack in our society. Every time you can't turn on the TV without seeing something about how stupid men are. You know, oh, the... Dad did something stupid again, and all they do is make fun of him. All they do is talk down to him. All they do, and and it's and I'm not feeling bad for myself when I say that, but I I'm I want you to understand where that spirit comes from. Listen, because the enemy knows God put an order in this world. God put a family unit order in this world, and that and he put the man as the spiritual head of the household. Now, it's not talking down to women. You're part of this thing too. But he put the man as the spiritual leader. And so the enemy knows if he can attack the man, if he can take out the man, he can destroy the man, he can have the whole family. And you see in our world today why there's so much confusion. We live in a fatherless society, don't we? Listen, when God created Adam, he put Adam on this earth. He, he made him for what reason? To fellowship with him. He made Adam for a fellowship partner that he was going to come down and talk to. God was his father. He created him. He didn't ha Adam didn't have another father. When he sinned, that fellowship was cut, wasn't it? And now Adam became the first orphan. He became fatherless. And he started the first dysfunctional family. Right? Look at the word. And, and, and ever since then, you saw the dysfunction, but God sent Jesus to get his family back, okay? And so listen, we have to recognize something. The family is under attack in our world. Men, you're under attack in our world because the devil knows if he can take you out, he can have your family. He can attack your family. Now listen, it's not to say if you don't, maybe you're a, a single mom or, or you don't, you're not married or whatever. Look, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. God, God can make you an example too in your household, okay? 
but I believe that God wants to raise up godly men in their families to be the man who's going to stand up against the enemy. When the enemy tries to come in, they're going to stand up as the spiritual leader and say, no, you can't come any further, devil. Get out of here. They're going to stand up and they're going to teach their children what it means to serve God. They're going to stand up and be examples of what it means to worship and to love God. But listen, the thief comes, John chapter 10, verse 10, to do what? You should know this by now, to steal, to kill, and destroy. What does the devil want to do? He wants to steal and kill and destroy your life and your family. But God's raising up people. He, I believe he's raising up people in this, in this room and around this world to be godly examples of what it means to be a man of God. I mean, you see our, our fatherless society today and what it looks like. Look at our world for just a minute. I mean, the, the things that are going on all around the world, and I think a lot of it stems from a fatherless generation. The confusion that's going on in young people, who's the author of confusion? The devil. And he's come in because there's been no father figure to say this is what a man looks like, and so we have young people growing up saying, I don't know if I'm a man or woman. And they're confused. Why? Because some of the, the young boys growing up, they want to be real men just like their mom. Because that's the only example they have. That's not right. We need, we need men of God who will stand up and say, this is what it is to be a man of God. This is what it looks like. Hey, can I borrow a line from the president? We're making, we're making dads great again today, okay? We're making dads great again. I'm not getting political, but I just want to tell you. So I want to I speak to you a little bit this morning about Abraham. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12. And I want to speak about Abraham. And, you know, Abraham was somebody God chose out of all the, the people of the earth. He chose Abraham to be the man who would start his new family. Because we read that, that Abraham is your father by faith. If, you, if you're a born-again believer, Abraham's your descendant. And he chose Abraham to start his family because Adam messed it up and God wanted to send Jesus and he was going to do it through the line of Abraham. So he used Abraham who was in a confusing time, a confusing world, but he brought, he raised Abraham up to be his man, to establish his family. And I want you to see where this starts. Look at Genesis chapter 12. And up to this point, we don't really see anything about Abraham. He's 75 years young at this time. And the Lord said to him, go out from your land, from your relatives and your father's house into the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. I wanna talk about this this morning because Abraham he grew up with an idol-worshiping father. He didn't, he didn't really have a knowledge of God, but God spoke to him, and he called him out. He said, I don't want you to be a part of that, that group anymore. I'm calling you out to create a new family, and he spoke some things over Abraham. And this is what I want you to hear this morning, because men of God, our, part of our mission is raising up people who will come behind us 
to continue what you started. Think about this for a minute. God used Abraham to establish his covenant. And how many thousands years, Pastor Kim can tell you to the day, how long it's been since Abraham was probably alive. It's been thousands of years. And still to this day, still to this day, the Jews follow his example of the covenant of circumcision. Still to this day, God calls you his descendant by faith. Think about the power of the father figure to influence not just children, but your children's children's children. That's the influence you have as a man of God. That's the influence you have. And again, fathers, grandfathers, or just godly father figures. In our world, people are looking at you and the influence you have on people around you is gonna, it's gonna change future generations. That's powerful, isn't it? Look at this just for a second. We'll go back to Genesis. But look at Matthew chapter 12. Can you throw that up on the screen? In verse 33, you know the scripture, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. Well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? But I want to tell you, he tells you here how to make a good tree. You want to have a good family tree. How many of you would love to have a good family tree? He tells you how to do it. He says, how can you who speak good things, when you, how can you speak good things when you're evil? For the mouth speaks from what? The overflow of the heart. A good man produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil man produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word they speak. And 37, for by your words, you'll be acquitted. By your words, you will be condemned. And he says all that. He's talking about a tree. He's talking about how do you make a good tree have good fruit? I read a story about a guy. He said his, his uncle had an orchard. He had a big orchard with peaches and pears and apples and and cherries and all kinds of things. And he said it was the most incredible orchard. People would come from miles and miles around to, to get some of the, the peaches especially. He said were just terrific. And he said he left and went to college or something. And he came back years later and he went into the, he visited his uncle at his orchard and there was just a few scraggly looking trees. And he said, uncle, what happened? You had such a great orchard. He said, well, the uncle said, I, I made a mistake. I was looking at the fruit. And I was so happy with the fruit, and people were coming to get the fruit, I didn't pay any attention to the tree. And he said, I, I, didn't, I didn't dig around it like I was supposed to and fertilize it and take care of it and prune it and all these things. I was just getting the fruit. And listen, that's how a lot of people are. They're happy with the fruit. How do you get good fruit? you got to take care of the tree. Your tree is your source. It's your words. It's what's coming out of your mouth. Sometimes we get frustrated because we're seeing bad fruit in our lives. We're seeing bad things. We're seeing bad, and we're in this cycle. Why can't I get out of this cycle? Stop speaking the bad words. Start speaking the good words. Because that, that, but to, in order to do that, you've got to change your heart. Because the mouth doesn't just speak what the mouth wants to speak. The mouth's got to speak from here. From what's inside you, from your spirit. So you've got to get your spirit transformed. Listen, I'm talking about dads. I'm talking about families. I'm talking about, about building a good family. I believe it starts with your mouth. What you speak over your children. I mean, you can go listen to some, some natural um, thinking person, a psychologist or somebody. They'll tell you some of the similar things. You got to speak positive things over your kids. I'm not just talking about positive things. I'm talking about the word of God. Speak the word of God over your families. Speak the word of God 
over your children. You want to see results in your children. Stop calling them stupid. Stop calling them this. Stop calling them, you know, stop telling them they're never going to be anything. You start speaking the word of God over them. You call things that are not as though they are. Stop calling it like you see it. Start calling it like the word says. You with me? Look, I'm, 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 I want to encourage you this morning, but I want to, I want to teach you. And I'm, lear- I'm learning myself too, because it's so easy just to like, we get frustrated and we speak. We get upset and we speak. It's harder to stop and think, what does the word of God say? Put, well, put this verse up, Psalm 39, verse one. I said, I'll guard my way so that I may not sin with my tongue. I'll guard my mouth with a muzzle as long as the wicked are in my presence. Here's what he says. I'm going to put my hand, I'm going to put a muzzle over my mouth so I don't speak something I shouldn't speak, especially in the presence of the wicked. Think about that in terms of the devil. The devil is waiting on your words because your words release permission. Okay? If I tell my kids they can have something, if, even if I'm not even thinking about what I'm saying, I just woke up in the morning, I haven't even got my coffee, and they're like, Dad, I want, yeah, you can have it. Guess what they're going to get? They're not going to leave me alone because I released my permission. I'm going to have to take them to Disney World or some stupid thing. I, I heard that on the thing. My dad's favorite thing is going to Disney World. Oh, I bet not. <laughs> I bet not. That place is terrible. So you got to be careful what comes out of your mouth because you're releasing the devil's permission. You've given the devil permission to walk on your kids, to walk on your family, walk around on your life. In the same way, God's waiting on your words of faith to release faith out of your mouth and say, Lord, I believe your word. And then the Lord can say, he can add his amen to it. All right, let's do it because he believes it. But you got to stand on the word of God. Are you with me this morning? This isn't new to you. So I want to show you some things. I believe there's, there's a few things, there's probably more you can come up with, but I, I noticed three things in this story of Abraham that God released, God declared some things over Abraham's life, and I believe we need to do the same thing with people around us, whether it's our children or people we work with or whatever that God's put in your life. Look, at, look again at chapter 12 and verse one. Let's look at, at verse two. He says, I'll make you a great nation. I'll make you a great nation. Imagine God coming and speaking something like that to you. That must have been floor, uh, what do you call it? It must have just been earth shaking, you know? Uh, God coming and saying, I'm gonna make you a nation. I'm gonna make you a people. He's 75 years old and has no children. I'm gonna make you a great nation. 75 years old and he's just getting started. And he says, okay, God. But God spoke something over him in, the, in that simple phrase. God spoke destiny over his life. He released destiny over his life. See, I believe this is what our, our, our world is crying out for people to speak destiny over them. To say, God has a, I believe God has a plan for you. I believe God wants to do something. Hey, look, I can see. Because you know what? So many times we just speak things over people just because we're not thinking. Stop doing that. Start thinking what the word says and start releasing destiny over people, especially your children. I want to encourage you dads, granddads this morning, speak destiny over your children. 
get a word from God. Lord, where, where, do you, where do you see them going in the future? Lord, give me a word for this young man, young woman, so I can release destiny over them. Because without destiny, a lot of people wander through life not knowing what they're supposed to do. But when they understand that God has a purpose for them, that he has a calling on their lives, that he has a plan for them, it changes everything. You guys still awake this morning? Hey, if you're watching online, type amen. Let me know you're here, okay? And somebody holler at me because we we got to get this thing going now. But ladies, this goes for you too now. You're not, you're not released because I'm talking to the men this morning. You, you speak some things. Speak some things over your husband. Come on. Speak some things. You bless that guy. He needs it. He's got to put up with you. I, I can say it because I'm not talking about my wife. She, it's the other way around for us. But listen, get a word Get a word from God. It doesn't have to be a weird thing either. You can just do it if it's just, if you get a word for somebody that you, that you work with, just, man, I see a lot of potential in you. I see, I see you can, you're going to be doing great things in your life. It could be that simple. It doesn't have to be like, thus saith the Lord, brother. And he's like, dude, you're, you're a weirdo. I don't even know, I don't know what's going on. You can just, just release some things over people, amen? If God puts something in your heart, just run with it. You run with it. Encourage people. Speak the word of God. I had somebody ask me last week, he said, are, are we just going to come next week and have like a little short um, Father's Day sermon so we can leave early? I said, sure. I, he, didn't, he didn't come this morning. I, didn't think, I don't think he believed me. I'm trying to keep it brief this morning. I know you got things to do, but I want you to hear this this morning. Um, uh, look, at what, look at what happens now with Abraham. I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you. He, he spoke the blessing over him. So first, he, he declares destiny over Abraham, and second, he declares a blessing over his life. See, so many times, we don't speak like that, especially with our children, because we're frustrated, we're, you know, we're busy, we're, there's so many things going on in our day, and maybe it doesn't stop, and, and I, especially with five kids, I could tell you, and it's, it's hard, but we need to learn how to release some things over their lives. Look at this, this word blessing. I know you know what blessing means, but it literally means to invoke divine favor or make successful. We're going to come back to favor hopefully next week. I've got more I want to say about that. But to invoke divine favor or make successful or to empower to prosper. You think about that with your kids. You're releasing them. You're empowering them to be successful. We need to be, that's what we need to be raising I want to be raising children who are empowered to be successful. You know, I know sometimes they can be frustrating, but that doesn't mean you say, man, you're just, you're just frustrating. You're just trouble. You're just, no, I'm, I'm going to empower you to succeed. I'm going to speak destiny over you. I want to say what God says about you, not speak out of my frustration. Amen. The blessing came on Abraham. The favor of God went to work in his life. Everything he touched was blessed. Every part of his life, listen, in his 70s, in his 80s, in his 90s, how old did he live? A hundred and something, 120 or, or more, more. Well, we'll find out for you. But he lived the whole time he was living, he was blessed. He was empowered. He, was, he, was, he, was, he wasn't quitting. Everything. When somebody came and invaded Sodom and Gomorrah, 
And his nephew was there. He said, I'm going to go save him. I'm going to go against the, the whole bunch of armies. I think it was five different armies or something came against Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to go take him on with the guys on my, hey guys, come on, let's go. He had, he had a trained army in his household. God made everything he did successful. His finances, his health, he was able to have children at 100 years old. His body was working. See, look, Jesus came to give you life. Jesus came to give you life and, and not just a life that's sliding by. He came to give you abundant life. Abraham was empowered to prosper in every way. Now, listen, he, he learned some things. I, I don't want to get into it right now, but he learned some things about giving. Pastor Kim did a great job talking about our giving this morning. And I don't want to take too much time with it, but Abraham, after he defeated those kings, Melchizedek came and he did something to him. He tithed to him. Where did he learn how to do that? That's a great question, isn't it? I bet he didn't read it in the Bible because that hadn't been written yet. I bet he didn't learn it from his dad because his dad was an idol worshiping son of a gun. I don't know where, you want to know where he learned it? He learned it straight from God. God was revealing to that man how to be blessed. If you, Abraham, if you want to be blessed, you got to do something. I bet God sat down with him, said, you got to do this, son. You got to do this because you know why? God was treating Abraham like his son because he was raising up a family for himself out of that man. So he was treating Abraham like he wanted to treat Adam in the beginning, to teach him how to do things, to teach him how to be, live life, to be successful, but Adam wouldn't have any of it, so he chose Abraham. And he taught him about some things. So he taught him about giving. He taught him about sowing and reaping. He taught him how to, how to be successful. That's what we need to do with our children. Teach our children to be blessed. Help them to learn how to be not only blessed, but to be a blessing. But you got to speak the blessing over them. You've got to release the blessing over your young people. Amen. You guys still awake this morning? Say amen. Come on. The blessing's meant to be passed on. You can't keep it. Let me say that again. You can't keep the blessing. In fact, he says, I'll pour out from having a blessing, a blessing that you cannot contain. Why, why is it so I can't contain? Because you can't keep it. It's supposed to be a channel. You're supposed to be a channel of the blessing. It's supposed to come through you. You got to gotta learn how to train your children to think like this and speak. You declare the blessing of God over them. Man, sometimes when you put them to bed at night, I, I declare the blessing of God is on your life. The favor of God is on your life. You are blessed and highly favored. Everything you do, God is making you successful. You don't have to wait till you're on your deathbed. I, you know, you read that in the word of God that these guys, they spoke those blessings as they were dying for their children, which is, which is powerful. And I'm not talking down about that, but you don't got to wait till you die. You can speak the blessing today over your children. But you're going to have to learn how to think differently because I want you to learn how to think like God thinks because he's taking you to a different place and he wants to take your family to a different place, but you got to come into line with his thinking, amen? Listen, when Adam was in the garden, before he sinned, he had the blessing of God. He didn't have any lack, did he? He had all of, I bet he didn't go hungry one day. He didn't, he didn't have a, uh, a roof over his head, but he didn't need it. Probably had a canopy of garden. He had everything he needed taken care of because his father was looking out for him. 
He had the blessing of God on him. Listen, you speak the blessing of God over your children, amen? This is what you've got. Look at Genesis chapter 17. I want to talk about one more thing. Genesis 17. And there's the story of Abraham and, the, and, and when God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And he says, he says in verse five, your name will no longer be Abram, but you will be Abraham, for I'll make you the father of many nations. So listen, God took Abraham, he spoke destiny over him. He took Abraham and he spoke the blessing over him. And then finally he took Abraham and he spoke identity over him. He changed his name. He's no longer called Abram, an exalted father. Now he's Abraham, the father of multitudes. He hasn't had any children yet, but it's according to the promise. See, God calls things that are not as though they are. I believe that's why a lot of people don't speak some of these things over their kids because they they're looking at what they can see and they're looking at the things that they think are instead of the things that are not. You don't declare the things that are, you de declare the things that will be. God spoke over Abraham identity. And listen, I believe God's raising up people in this room. You're, you may not have any children, but you're, God's making you a father of multitudes. Because there's going to be people gathered around you to hear what you got to say because they want to learn how you're living because you're doing something different than the rest of the world, and they'll be able to see that in you. Amen? So God changes Abraham's identity. There's another story in Genesis 35, if you can throw those verses up for me, about Benjamin. Genesis 35, this is when Jacob's wife was giving birth to Benjamin, and it says, during her difficult labor, the midwife said, don't be afraid, for this is another son for you. Congratulations. What happens in the next verse? With her last breath, as she was dying, she named him Ben-Oni, which means son of my trouble. She wasn't too happy with that boy, and she blamed all her problems on him. Son of a tr trouble. Son of trouble. But her fa his, the father heard it. The father said, no, no son of mine is going to be called a son of trouble. That's not going to be his identity. He's not going to be blamed for something his whole life that he didn't have anything to do. I'm calling him Benjamin, son of my right hand. The son of my right hand. Listen, some of you have grown up maybe in environments where you were called things by people, whether it's your parents growing up said things over you, whether maybe a, a teacher or some, some person in authority said something about you, you're just trouble. You're just trouble. I'm sure some of you had that. You just, you just, you'll never amount to anything. You're just always going to be a, a pain. You're just always going to be this. Listen, I want to tell you something. God doesn't see you like that. God doesn't call you like that. When we come to him, he changes our identity. We're no longer who we used to be. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. He took a man named Paul who was previously called Saul on the road to Damascus on his way to kill some Christians, couldn't find a more low-down, dirty scoundrel, and God took him and turned him around and in one moment changed his life forever. God gave him a new identity. He made him brand new, and he wants to do the same with you. He wants to do the same with your kids. You might look at them and get frustrated. Stop being frustrated. Start speaking identity over them. Start calling them who they are in Jesus Christ. Start telling them what God's called them to be, the plan that God has for them. Amen. But so many people have had wrong things spoken over them. I remember reading a story years ago about um, a group of orphans in India. 
And in this orphanage, when the children were dropped off, they didn't have names. They were, they were dropped off a lot of times at birth, and someone had them, and they didn't want the child, or they had them, and they couldn't provide for them. So they would drop the children off at the orphanage, and the orphanage would give them names. And the names they chose for these guys were things like unwanted. Can you imagine your whole life being called unwanted? That was your name, unloved, terrible things. They were speaking over these children their whole lives. That's their identity. And in one moment, you can start playing. In one moment, a group of them went to the courthouse and said, we want to change our names. And 20, 30 of them went to the courthouse and all at once, they all chose their own names. And they chose things like loved. They chose things like hope and joy because they recognized something, even those young people recognized it hurt them so bad to be continually called unwanted, to be continually called unloved, that they didn't want to go through life with that as their identity. They said, I want a new identity. Listen, when we come to Jesus, he takes the old things and he makes it new. He takes the old things. Maybe you were unwanted and you felt like you were just something on the side of the road, but he took you and he made you new and he made you something beautiful and God calls you by a different name. In fact, it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, I think it is. He says that one day, though to him who overcomes, one day when you stand before God, he's going to hand you a stone, a white stone. And on the stone is a name inscribed on it that nobody knows except the one who receives it. That's got to be the most beautiful thing I've ever heard, that God doesn't call you like everybody else calls you. Because listen, sometimes... We get that identity in our hearts that we think we're still what people see us, what people say over us, what people have, have, have said about us in the past. But listen, when you stand before God one day, he's going to say, this is the name I've always called you by. This is your name that I've always called you by. I want you to cherish this because that's who you are. Listen, that's who you are. He calls you by something entirely different. He doesn't see you like the world sees you. He calls you a different name. He's got a new identity for you. And listen, he's, the same thing is true of people around you. The same thing is true, dads, of our children, our grandchildren. He's got a new name, and sometimes we can be guilty of speaking an identity over one of our children because we're frustrated, and that they'll carry that. Without the grace of God, they'll carry that sometimes for their entire lives. And it can shape them. One word can shape them. One name can shape their futures unless the hand of God intervenes. And I want you to know something. It's our responsibility, men of God, to stand up and speak identity over young people. They may not even be your kids. You start telling them, man, some kid in the neighborhood, listen, I want you to know something today. God has his hand on you. God calls you something special. You're loved by God. You start releasing that kind of identity. Man, I'll tell you what, that's how we're going to change this world. That's how we're going to change the world is by fathers rising up in this fatherless generation and speaking the word of God, releasing destiny, releasing blessing, releasing identity over this generation. Come on, would you stand up with me? I want, actually, let me have the men stand up. Let me do the men. And then we'll have the ladies stand. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second. 
Well, let me say this first of all. Maybe you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. Maybe you're watching online this morning and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, or maybe you're away from God, if that's you, I want you to know something. You can make your life right with Jesus right now. In one moment, he can, he can forgive your past and redeem your future. In one moment, if God's calling you today, don't reject the call of God on your life. Don't walk away without receiving his call because it may not be there forever. You need to receive his forgiveness. You need to receive his grace today. If that's you this morning, you need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior or get your life right with him. I want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you. Or if you're watching online this morning and that's you, I want you to say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and make me a new person. I give you my life today, Jesus. Thank you for loving me and being a father to me. Guys, I want to speak to you just for a second. It's our, it's our job, man. It's our job to be the spiritual leaders of our house. It's our job to lead by example. It's our job to be in the Word of God. It's our job to be spending time with our fathers so we can show our families how they're supposed to live and lead the way God's called us to. And I want every one of you, if you would just raise your hand, and ladies, if, if you got a husband standing next to you or, or somebody, just lay hands on them, and we're going to agree together for them. And Lord, I thank you that you are making strong men of God in this room. Lord, who are going to lead by example, who are going to live holy lives, who are going to encourage their families and bless their families and speak destiny and identity over their families. Lord, I thank you for your anointing to come upon them. Lord, I thank you today for, for just letting them release some of those things over their families. Let them release the identity and the blessing and the destiny over their families. Lord, I thank you for having your hand upon them. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing with each one of these men. Lord, that you're going to use them in mighty ways in this days and this generation that we live that is crying out for men of God to rise up. Lord, we thank you. Have your hand upon them in the name of Jesus. Ladies, why don't you stand too? Lord, we just thank you for each person today. Lord, we thank you for your hand to be upon them. We thank you for blessing them in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for this Father's Day that we get to honor these men. We honor them, we bless them, and we thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon each one. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen.